and welcome to Daddy Finds Podcast, lifestyle podcast for enriching your state of mind. I'm your host Ifai, and I'm joined by special guests in every episode who discuss content that has had an impact on my life. We continue with our book of enhanced happiness, love, and commitments in marriage. And in today's episode, we're diving into chapter one, which is focused on sexuality and sexual identity. To help us with this, we have two guests today. One is Ogugua Chioke, who is an engineer, and the second is Isioma Koka, an HR consultant. In today's episode, our author asserts that we should celebrate our sexual identity and also challenges us to review the sexual education we received. Well, without much further ado, let's relax, sit back, and I'll see you at the other side. Sexuality and sexual identity. Why can't a woman be more like a man? Complained Henry Higgins in My Fair Lady. Today, he wouldn't be led to get away with the remark with some people, not necessarily feminists, retorting, and why can't a man be more like a woman? Others might not only reject both complaints, but even question the importance of a man having to be like a man or a woman having to be like a woman. Indeed, if asked, they might be hard put to say what being a man or being a woman properly means, apart from elementary bodily differences. We live, in fact, in an historical period when sexual differentiation is becoming confused, sexual character is of little value, and sexual identity is in danger of being lost. It is difficult nowadays to talk about sex or sexual roles without appearing to be or without being labelled as more sympathetic to men or more sympathetic to women. I am equally sympathetic to both. For the purpose of my present topic, however, I am especially sympathetic to the difference. Vive la différence! Because this difference is in danger of not surviving in our Western societies, except in a minimal physical way, and even that subject to increased changeability. Sexuality is being desexualized in contemporary Western society. It is being reduced to a merely physical relationship and to one which, at that level, is not even truly sexual. The more properly human understanding of sex is being neglected or forgotten, with little or no emphasis on the fact that man and woman should enrich each other, not primarily by the physical coupling of their bodies, but by the interaction of their complementary sexual characteristics of the specific way each has of being human. Paradoxically, the desexualization of modern life is particularly obvious in the area of sexual education. Sex education has followed a line not of development and improvement, but of impoverishment. Having mainly begun at the level of inculcating biological facts, it has become in a certain sense sub-biological, teaching young people how to engage in physical activity while avoiding the natural biological consequences. Current value-free sexual education prescinds from any philosophy or teleology of sex, which can help people understand the why and wherefore of sex its real importance for the enrichment of the person and of society. No education is offered in a true anthropology of sex, which seeks to show how human sexuality differs from mere animal sexuality, to discover and emphasize those sexual traits and values which go beyond the merely physical and physiological. Nor is there any education in the real psychology of sex, knowing not just how to understand this great human reality, but how to manage it in practice, to respond to and be realized by its potentials, not to miss them, not to be frustrated by their misuse. We are right to protest the sex education being given to young people today in almost all states and many private schools. Our criticism will gain in power, however, if we insist that what is being given is not just bad sex education, it is not sexual education at all. It is de-sexing education. Young people are being educated to become de-sexed individuals, unisex citizens, not men and women. Frustration of true personal development is a main consequence of a unisex culture and education, 
for a first step in establishing one's human identity and personality lies in the effort to become a man or a woman, as the case may be. The proper humanizing of the person is severely limited if one does not learn to distinguish and appreciate masculinity and femininity. In undermining the growth of the individual, unisexism has negative effects on society as a whole. In order to be truly human, society needs both men and women. A unisex society is bound to be lacking in character and humanity, and noticeably in cohesion too. This has particular application to the family, where the basic solidarity of a society is developed. A unisex philosophy makes building of a real marriage or a real family almost impossible for the unique experience conducive to personal happiness and fulfillment which marital or family relationships promise is essentially not accidentally tied to the difference and complementarity of sexual roles. Sexual complementarity? But many would ask, does this idea of complementarity between the sexes or of sexual interdependence not belong to a cultural outlook of the past? Do we not tend today to stress the right of the individual to identify himself or herself and to seek personal fulfillment as he or she wishes, without unnecessary dependencies? Much of our modern world does seem to think of self-identification in terms of the total autonomy of the individual, but that the idea should be recognized, at least by Christians, for what it is, a recurrence on a generalized scale of the original temptation addressed to Adam and Eve. Identify yourself, create for yourself the knowledge of your own destiny, of what is good or bad for it. Create the destiny with no subordination to God or to others. The result of this rebellion against the scheme of creation was to bring disorder into the world, threatening all the aspects of that God-given plan which fosters human development. Sexuality represents a major feature of this divine plan for a large part of the order of the world is built around the nature and quality of the relation between the sexes. We can understand sexuality correctly or wrongly, a wrong understanding having negative effects on the personal and the social scale. And today, true sexuality is being radically misunderstood and constantly misused with the result that it is in danger of extinction, of becoming a lost treasure of mankind. Thank you very much. That was quite wonderfully read. Was that your first time of reading it? Yeah. <laughs> that was phenomenal. So, as we have heard, our author here has made some pretty aggressive stabs at what he sees today as the dissexing of humanity, especially in Western civilization, um, trying to create unisex citizens as opposed to men and women. Right. So what, what were your initial thoughts, reactions to what was being said? Did anything trigger in your mind? Just like initial reactions. Who wants to go first? Ladies first or men before? <laughs> men before. Since, since you read, I can, <laughs> I can go. Okay. You know, I think uh, I agree very deeply with a lot of the points that were raised. Um, you know, we see... <clears throat> even just through culture and what's being taught in schools, this emphasis on, you know, people being able to decide what they want to do as long as it makes them happy. Um, so in tandem, extending the boundaries of freedom beyond, you know, the, the actual divine law that was supposed to guide freedom, right? It's from from the book itself you know it it references the bible to say how god created mankind in his own image and god created the man and the woman so that they could coexist together and from that alone any doctrine that tries to negate the actual importance or significance of a man being a man or a woman being a woman is contrary to divine law and you know even the book references that if you want to take it all the way back to adam and eve the entire sin was them going against the divine law right so i think a lot of the issues we even see today are 
constant repetitions of human beings choosing to want to extend their own freedom beyond the divine law that God has created for all of us to follow. So basically what I'm hearing is, well, now it's just in the context of, I guess, the relation or the sexuality of man and woman, but that um, the moment we start to go against what ought to be, we would have problems down the line. And like you touched on it, it, it's in all the sins we see. So from the beginning, the moment we try to veer left or right from what ought to be, then there are problems that we would encounter. But then now I'm thinking, how do we even know? Because we, we say divine law, right? But then how do we know that? How do we even, because for everyone, even growing up, many people, it's sort of like you figure it out yourself. And in today's world, we see a lot of, in your search for happiness, you will find the truth or your truth and everything, right? It's almost like that divine law doesn't necessarily have that necessary stature or even knowledge of what it is, right? Because it's not necessarily saying, oh, someone is Christian. What does it even mean to be Christian? Everyone is coming up with their own meaning, right? So I, I'm just thinking from what you said now, I'm now thinking to you, Isyama, from what you read, from what he's saying, what, what was your, what were you taking from what the author was speaking? Um, I think that for me, what he, why, well, what I read or what he said that struck me the most was when he basically put it in context to Adam and Eve, mm -hmm. um, because I never really looked at what was happening today, you know, in relation to that. I think that the issue that we're having with sexuality, um, he captured quite accurately. It's really just the push for individualism. And the truth is we're not, we were never created to be individuals. And that is clearly stated, um, that's clearly stated in the Bible when it says, when uh, God said it was not good for man to be alone, and that was why he created a woman. And there is a complementary relationship between male and female, whether romantic or otherwise, right? There's a softness to a woman, there's a strength to a man. Um, it doesn't mean that women are not strong, no, <laughs> because yeah. it just means that sometimes the women's strength, um, which we typically even see today, also plays out in their softness, right? Mm -hmm. The things a woman can handle emotionally, the strength that it takes to get over some of those situations that happen, whether it's a miscarriage, just the loss of a partner, typically they can handle that better than men, mm -hmm. right? Um, whereas the physical things that men can handle, um, on average, they handle better than women. I think that one of the issues that we have today is just the push for the selfish agenda, right? Make yourself happy and, you know, that's really what matters in the world. But the reality is we're not designed to live life like that. And it, it really shows why there's the breakdown that we see, whether it's here in Nigeria, you know, all over the world. It really comes from that individual mentality. If everyone was really thinking about their neighbor as they were making the decisions around them, um, they would choose better. So you you see some parents saying, oh, I won't put a label on my child. I'll let them choose their identity. But you have that responsibility, actually. Um, there are some people who are born as hermaphrodites. Um, there's a small percentage of people who are born as hermaphrodites. And even then, a choice is made at their birth by their parents for what sex it is that they would want them to be altered to. And I think people then bringing feelings into it. So I don't feel a specific type of way. I always laugh because I think about myself and growing up, I wanted to be a boy. I played football, you know, I only had male friends. I used to like beat people, you know, <laughs> but now, you know, some of, especially for like my guy friends who've known me, like for most of my life, they then see me now and they're like, we would have never thought that this would be you, you know, now being wearing dresses and being girly and stuff like that. Um, so there's a sense of responsibility and yes, allowing a child to express themselves, but ultimately still calling the truth for what it is. I mean, I, I don't know how far we're going to go in the conversation, but there's also a growing number of people who choose their sexuality who then, you know, make the decision to have surgeries to change their sexuality to what it is that they feel it is, and then now want to go back to what it is because they then realize that actually, um, when I was having these feelings, I wasn't necessarily even talked to about, you know, why I was feeling these feelings or what it was. I was just encouraged to act on my feelings. And in that difference between human beings and animals, 
the difference is that as human beings we can't succumb to our feelings we have to have the control of our feelings if we succumb to our feelings then there's no difference between us and a dog because a dog when a dog wants to eat it goes and looks for food uh when you know a dog wants to mate it goes and it looks for somebody to mate as a human being that's where your rational mind is supposed to come into play um and i think that's what we're losing in the world is making people feel like your feelings should be the one that drives you versus your your mind so yeah I I really like the points you made about people being able not having the right information mm-hmm. to take a decision and that brings me to a quote that um the author actually mentions and what I'm going to do I'm going to read this quote then once I read this quote right I was like wait a second he's used a lot of terms so I'm I'm also going to read the definitions of those terms okay. then I'm going to reread the quote so that we can appreciate the weight of what he's saying right so he says current value-free sexual education prescinds any philosophy or teleology of sex which can help people understand the why and wherefore of sex its real importance for the enrichment of the person and of society no education is offered in a true anthropology of sex which seeks to show how human sexuality differs from mere animal sexuality to discover and emphasize those sexual traits and values which go beyond the merely physical or physiological nor is there any education in the real psychology of sex knowing not just how to understand this great human reality but how but how to manage it in practice to respond to and be realized by its potentials not to miss them nor be frustrated by their misuse so here first of all let's understand many of those terms as philosophy he says which is the study of the fundamental nature of knowledge reality and existence especially when considered as an academic discipline so there that's in the first there's also teleology in that first line which um is the explanation of phenomena in terms of purpose they serve rather than of the cause by which they arise so let's just take that first line again current value free sexual education prescinds from any philosophy or teleology of sex which can help people understand the why and wherefore of sex its real importance for the enrichment of the person and society so there the the stopping there for a second what i understand the author to be saying is people are not discussing the fundamental fundamental knowledge uh, nature of sex its knowledge its reality its existence and together with that the purpose it's meant to serve as opposed to why it exists right and so first of all what's your reaction to that statement because i realized everything in my life regarding sexuality that i've seen and come across it's it's about how men are it's about people's desires that arise from that as opposed to what is its purpose i've never even ha- heard that in anything why does it exist why deep education into that or even just understanding the reality because there's almost like just an acceptance of what is today as opposed to trying to the way we try to understand how gravity works mm-hmm. how to get into space that kind of philosophy into sexuality i've not seen it so first of all what's your take on this first part yeah no i th- i think um you know it's it's still kind of ties into what you mentioned about the education around it all being um water down or becoming sub biological because at the end of the day everything from the moment we come into this world we have to be formed in terms of understanding why am i a man why am i a woman what purpose do i serve in being a man or a woman i think the education we receive now is primarily cultural so i'm you know you always hear the phrase oh be a man you hear that just culturally speaking from your from your dad from your brothers from your male friends right and there's now this cultural context around oh being a man means being strong you know you don't cry you, you know you stand up for yourself um but it's funny when you when you flip it you never really hear someone say oh be a woman right you, it's not it's not said in public you, like I I mean I have sisters and even I've never heard my mom tell my <laughs> sisters oh be a woman right so it means there's some kind of core education missing right 
Now, where should that education come from? I think it should come both from schools, and it, but it should also come from the homes, right? Because, you know, when you're not in school, you spend most of your time in your family, in your home with your parents, right? Um, so that's collective formation of understanding, one, the tele teleological reasons behind what a man and what a woman are, but also the philosophical and also psychological understanding of what it is, right? There's a purpose behind why God created man and woman. Even the book itself references both being partial images of Christ, right? And, you know, again, I go back to divine law because the way I, I come from the belief that everything that God has created is divine and in altering it, you create chaos, right? And that desire to alter these things comes from, like Isioma mentioned, that's self-desire, that's individualistic view to want to extend your freedom to wherever you want to take it to, right? And again, as we've rightly seen from the Bible, from even our own reality, that is usually the ethos behind all the chaos problems we, we, we see today. So to answer that question, my, my final summary on that is I think there needs to be a collective approach, both in schools and the homes, the parents themselves, understanding, first of all, how can I communicate the real essence of what these things are? And the material is out there, right? It's not like there isn't information of what it means to be a woman or what it means to be a man, but it's just how do you sort of cancel out the noise of this cultural emphasis on freedom being individ individuality as opposed to freedom existing within the communion of what a man and a woman should be. Interesting, because from what you're saying now, it's pushing me to think a lot about not just external environment like media and all, but also those closest to you, those that are around you, how they've influenced your understanding and even maybe your desire to be who you're meant to be. And when because this whole God element, right? I realized it, what, what I went through my mind was even if everyone around you is against you in some way or, or a, an obstacle to becoming who you're meant to be, if God exists and God loves you and God wants all that is for you, then he's never going to be someone that's against you. So he's always an element trying to help you propel yourself to your best self, right? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think even because, I mean, yeah, when, when you're younger, that may be, you know, a difficult thing to conceptualize your mind. But that's to your point about the people closest to you. I mean, you can, if, I mean, when I was a kid, right, no matter what I saw on TV, if I didn't see my dad doing it, I'm not going to do it. Like, mm -hmm. there's no, even, I'd like, no matter, however, but, but my dad and the male older people in my life were my reference point for what it means to exist as a man in society. If they weren't doing good, then that would have led me down a path that is not good, right? So there is that responsibility, known or unknown, conscious or subconscious, that every single person in your, in your life plays. And I think the home outside of the school is very key, right? Um, and that's why it's very important as a parent to understand the kind of schools you send your children to, but also understand the people that your children spend a lot of time with because it's easier to start this you know, building the younger you are, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's when, when you form a child at that early age, then it becomes clearer to continue the process of formation. And that's, that's what I think. Interesting. So, Isioma, from everything I'm hearing now, right, I'm just thinking about how not necessarily that all of this was lacking in my life, in my upbringing, right? Mm -hmm. But then, to a great extent, it seems like a lot of what I'm hearing, reading, understanding is necessary. It's maybe not even deliberately available or was not deliberately available in my own upbringing, right? So, I'm now wondering, from your own take, from a female perspective, understanding what it means to be a woman, to have been a girl, to to grow, to just your own gender experience and all, and what the author is saying about this corrupts, the corrupt nature of sexual education. How, how have you seen it? How do you understand it? How are you reacting to it? So it's, it's interesting because it then kind of validates what <laughs> Ugugua is saying, right? Because... For me, my primary reference point and my primary, I guess, source of formation was my home, 
um what i learned in school was always secondary because i always still came back and tested it at home mm-hmm. um so even from like a sex education purpose my parents never talked about um i never had sex education at home we never had the sex talk in fact when i was going to school i went to Loyola. it was a mixed school and my daddy just told me, don't get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was the sex talk. My mommy didn't even say anything. Like, yeah. But my sex talk was, don't come back pregnant. You're going to school with boys. And that was it. How that was going to happen, <laughs> I have no idea. But I guess one of the things that my parents did do, and I'm now, because as, as I read it, I was thinking about it, right? Was my parents always made me realize that I had a greater purpose in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never made boys or relationships seem like a taboo subject so in primary school i had people that i called my boyfriend now did i actually date those individuals no but like i would like i'd literally go to school and be like this week this person is my boyfriend right (laughs) and my mom would be like cool so when is your boyfriend coming i'm like okay he'll come tomorrow or something but like there was literally nothing they they really wanted to water down the idea of relationships as you know, this thing and this, and I think that kind of helped to counter, you know, what society was preaching, right? And I had a very open, you know, and I I still have a very open relationship with my parents and a very open home. And for me constantly, it was like, look, why are you making the decisions that you're making? So for my mom, it's like, and, you know, when I did get older, we did start talking about sex. It was having sex can lead to consequences, right? Mm -hmm. When you have sex, sex is for the intention of having children um that's the reason why god created it that's the reason why it exists is it going to be enjoyable yes um but that's the reason why it exists if you do it properly in the way that it's enjoyed um it's supposed to be enjoyed you won't need protection you won't need to be on the pill you won't need any of these things and if you do do it that way then it poses the risk of you getting pregnant do you want to get pregnant you know before you're done achieving whatever it is that you want to achieve in your life. Um, Do you want to get pregnant before you figure out, you know, if the person that you're actually dating is somebody that you even want to be a father figure to whatever, whichever child it is that you bring into the world. Um, And so just because of those sorts of real and candid conversations, um, it helps in terms of, you know, kind of guiding your, your thought process as to, okay, this person might be cute. This person might be like who I want to date, but is this person who I want to be a father figure to my, my children and always using my dad as a reference point and saying, okay, I know the type of father that I had. I know the type of the relationship that I've enjoyed. I recognize the privilege of that relationship in comparison to some of the other, you know, some of my friends and the relationships they have with their dads. Um, and just being a bit more choiceful. But I think that really and truly the home has a greater responsibility when it comes to sex education. So with this conversation we're having, right, I know growing up I was taught a lot about certain things that are wrong, right? The negative about certain things. But then I realized, I think I was listening to this author, Jordan Peterson, recently, and he was, he was one of the points he had made was about human beings need, it's like we all need a goal. We need a sense of responsibility, mm. something to strive towards, right? And I realized, what am I, str- thinking back in my life, what was I striving for growing up? And I realized a lot of that was influenced by what I decided to choose based on things around me, right? Regardless of what I th- thought, it was, I was sort of creating my own individual ideal. And a lot of that, for example, because the author here was talking about young people being educated to become desexed individuals, unisex citizens, not men and women. Especially, so as a guy, I feel a lot of threats from the feminism gang, right? There's almost a whole, it is a problem that you are a man, right? I feel threatened by patriarchy FC. <laughs> well, in my mind, I'm feeling, I'm feeling this threat that's, just because I'm a man, there are going to be certain problems. And when I look at the female gender, I see it's a gender as um, a victimized gender. Everything they do is a, they're victims of some other influence and everything, right? So it's almost like I, I'm reading the situation that 
I need to be less of a man. I need to like tone down becoming a man. Not that I even know what it means to be a man, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's sort of like a problem with my gender. And this other gender has their own problem and it's almost like they need to be more like me. So it's almost like subconsciously, I'm not thinking necessarily thinking to the nth degree, but this forcing me to look at that, it's like society sort of trying to make me see men and women as one and the same. And there, there should be no difference. Otherwise, having a difference in my mind is some sort of, um, how do I put this? Some sort of, that union of, or that unisex life is the best life, right? What society ought to be. So I'm just thinking now, if it's now, because the author is talking about complementarity, that no, I should be a man and I should be the best of a man and a woman should be the best of a woman. And that way, with our differences, our complementarity will, would come something good and great for society. Mm -hmm. So I'm now wondering, what's your own take on this and how you've seen it from your perspective before we move over to you? So I think that, unfortunately, a lot of guys I've heard share like a similar opinion to you. And that's a bit tragic because that's not true feminism, right? So what feminism is actually advocating for is more just for women to be treated. And when they say equally, I think that's where the word that typically gets misunderstood. So I don't want to change. I don't change tire. I don't know what's going on in my car. I'm not interested in changing light bulb. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm interested in relaxing and being taken care of. That is really my goal. That's what the, the men in my life are for taking care of me. That's my goal. I don't have a problem with that. But I think what, um, what people then tend to misunderstand is, oh, if you're saying that you want to be equal, then you should be able to do all these things, right? No, what women are really talking about is for men to create safe spaces for them. So a lot of men you'll see um, will hear their their fellow men make lewd jokes about women and not say anything. They will hear, they will know that their you know fellow men are in relationships with girls and have multiple relationship partners and are doing serious damage to a female's emotional um, health, and they won't say anything. Instead, they will cover for their friend, and they will say it's a, what is it, boy, boy, uh, gang. Guy code. Guy sorry, code. Just, sorry to interrupt you there, right? But let me throw a spanner into what you're about to say. Yeah. So, growing up personally, right, I, I know guys, myself included, that I would always want to be the good guy. Yeah. And it will seem like the girl you want, right? The feedback you're getting from the market is, even though you're trying to be a chivalrous man, mm -hmm. she will now go for what we perceive to be the bad, the boy. bad boy. And so the response some guys were getting from the market was, girls want bad boys, right? Agreed. And so there was never necessarily a point in time that there was this deliberate effort to change that reasoning or rational, right? But then I think it goes back to the same point, right? About where's your guidance coming from? Mm -hmm. So do you act because of society or do you act because of your purpose, right? Interesting. So if I were then to say, oh, guys only like girls who wear, I don't know, bikinis. I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something random. I can't think of anything off the top of my head and I allow that to drive my actions, then I'm no longer acting as an individual. I'm acting based on another person. And that's, that's the fundamental problem that we have today, right? So where people should actually be individualistic in their mindset, which is in determining how they want to pursue things, how they want to follow things, you know, they're not. But then when it comes to things like sex education <laughs> and where they want to feel their happiness, then they say, oh, I choose me. So, so, so I, I hear you in terms of that's the narrative. And you can also say, okay, where did that narrative come from? A lot of it is tied to the media, it's tied to movies. You know, the bad guy is always the more attractive person that is cast in the movie. So as a young girl, you're exposed to that. You're thinking, oh, I mean, look at Beauty and the Beast. He was a beast. And <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, he becomes a charming prince. So you have all these fairy tales that you're kind of told, you know. Mm -hmm. and, and that's typically what tends to happen. But the question that I have for guys is always, so why do you let that change you? Why do you let someone else? Because we want to be loved now. Everyone wants to be loved, but you know, you have to be first comfortable with being loved by yourself. And mm -hmm. I always believe that whoever it is that mm -hmm. will love you 
will love you for who you are not who you perceive yourself to be because what happens when you can't keep up with the charade then the relationship crashes which is again another topic that is separate but why marriages are failing <laughs> you know when when the scales start falling off and people start seeing people for who they really are so there's there's another crisis of identity that's that is a separate conversation for a separate topic but now you've taken me completely off off points <laughs> um so back to, to what you were saying about um you know unisex, unisex and and the mentality so i think that Again, it's something that the culture and the people who I believe have the agenda of driving are taking advantage of, right? Mm. So they are trying to turn feminism into this evil thing that is not really, you know, adding value to society. They're trying to pitch uh, male versus female against each other. And that's really not what it's about, right? So as a man, you know, what you should be be doing in this day and age is actually rising up to be an advocate for women to calling out you know um sexual um sexual assault when you see it to being a safe place to saying okay hey you know to your girl if you're going out with you have girlfriends amongst you saying oh you know if you blink twice or you do this signal you know just let me know and i'll come through saying that somebody is your girlfriend when she's not when you realize that you know she seems to be in an uncomfortable situation and intervening for her in those spaces um but most importantly is educating your friends um i think from a lot of my male friends and it's something that i've noticed that i don't maybe maybe and you can share more a lot of guys don't talk to each other about these things right so the people who are the good guys tend to be the good guys and then they operate in isolation right so you have I mean, I have some female friends, like, even when, like, as in, like, when I was, like, trying to date, and I would tell my guy friends, I'm like, oh, introduce me to somebody, and they're like, I can't, <laughs> I can't vouch for any of my guy friends, and I don't know why so many men are okay with saying that, right? Mm-hmm. I can't vouch for any of my guy friends. If you asked me as a girl, hey, I'm looking to marry, you know, you can, do you have, like, a number of good girls you can introduce me? Off the top of my head, I'm like, oh, I can call this babe. I can call this babe. Do you like dark lights? You know, <laughs> short, tall. What's your spec? But a lot of guys, if you ask them the same question, they're like, ah, I can't vouch for my guy who's, you know, who are, who are different places in our life. <laughs> okay, so how is he your guy? Like, if he's so we different don't discriminate, from you. We don't discriminate. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think that the unisex, I mean, it is taking advantage of it, right? Um, but I don't think it's necessarily tied to that. And I think... Even for me, like normally I would never never spoken on this topic publicly. I look you still have anxiety about the fact that this is going to be published. Um but it's just because, you know, whenever you even speak about how you feel um on these topics, it's dangerous. You're talking about being threatened as a man from feminism. There are trans women now who are saying that you can't say woman, you have to say birthing person. You have to say and I'm like, I'm a woman. Like I came into the world as a why you like okay you have decided to be trans. That's between you and why why and are you not attacking like me and the establishment of my sexuality and then for me to say that openly I will be labeled as transphobic and I will say that I, they will say I'm not open minded and you know and so you have these thoughts that you can't even have an open conversation with people to be like why do you need this validation right because ultimately in my opinion and i may be wrong um all this seems like it's a cry for validation it's a cry for attention so if they come for me after this podcast if i am coming for you, <laughs> you know? google your own reaction to all this yeah unisex reality and i think everything starts from 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 love you know mm. if you ask yourself first of all as a christian why did God create man? God created man out of love, which in turn means God created man and woman out of love, which in turn means man was created to love woman and woman was created to love man. Now what has happened, even from a historical perspective, is the definition of what it means to be a man has shifted to an individual or self-aggrandization where the definition is no longer in in line with what God wanted a man to be. It has turned into a sort of selfish agenda of men who 
want to be the domineering party. Mm. And feminism is as a result, every sort of ethos of feminism is a result of that individual culture that men have created over generations, right? But then again, what's happening is that feminism is now doing the same thing that men have been doing for generations. So serving the same dish of individualism back to men. And if you look clean, if you look honestly and deeply into both issues, it all stems to a good point Isioma raised a few minutes ago, is that lack of desire to not see yourself as a, com as a community or in, in the communal sense, striving for individualism above that communal sense. Because, you know, when you talk about good, that girls like bad guys, that girls don't like good guys, I think at the end of the day, girls like people who love them. Mm -hmm. girls, <laughs> girls like people who show them Facts. <laughs> that's what it is right whatever flavor that that comes in I think what it is is you know society has created this idea that the strong man has to be a bad guy or mm -hmm. that the, the so because it, feed, feeding, feeding into this whole the, the thing you said about how you know chivalrous guys uh, back in the day never never you know got any dates or got invited to any um, dinners or things like that. I think, again, it's still society misrepresenting what it means to be a man. And in turn, females taking that wrongly defined um, definition of what it means to be a man into their head. Because I've, I've never seen, I've never been in a situation where, you know, you see a woman who actively is receiving love from someone. And now, when, when I say love, what does, what does love mean? Because that's also another, mm -hmm. another yeah. interesting point. As far as, even from a, from a divine perspective, love is death to self, mm -hmm. right? Anybody who consistently puts the other person above their needs or is willing to do that continuously shows love. And I've never seen any situation where that doesn't work, mm -hmm. right? Whether you want to be honest with yourself or whether you want to be dishonest with yourself, even those who are being dishonest with themselves, deep down they know that, okay, this guy actually loves me, mm -hmm. right? So at some point, whatever you want to do, whenever you've decided to be honest with yourself, you always go back to love because mm -hmm. love is the single source of truth, right? So I think, you know, the, the, the answer to this, and even from like a teleo teleological and philosophical perspective is, we need to renew our minds on what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Because at the center of it all should be love. Love of each other and love of God. And I genuinely believe that when you look at the lens of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a society, what it means to be a woman through that lens in this society, the whole concept of, you know, like again, to Isimah's point, how you see a lot of guys who um, can't vouch for their friends or love guys who have this idea of what it means to be a man in today's world that is just wrong right it's completely is completely based on things that aren't factual from any because you ask someone okay somebody told you that to be a man means you need to be tough you don't cry you need to crack all these kind of blue jokes where did you get that ideology from who taught it to you there's there's no book there's no reference point it was society so it's, it's interesting that the same society that fed men mm -hmm. the wrong idea of what it means to be a man has now become frustrated <laughs> with that same idea of that man. Mm -hmm. And women have now decided to lead that frustration, mm -hmm. but are leading that frustration with the same ethos that men used to create it in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's a zero-sum game. Mm -hmm. It will never end. Mm -hmm. And if you check any form of division, it's always the same narrative. Black, white, um, the um, Christian non Christian it's the same thinking. Mm -hmm. Started with the wrong idea, mm -hmm. perpetrated over a period of time. Now the other party feels like they've had enough and they start perpetrating their response with the same ethos that at first and it's crazy. Right? And at the end of the day, when you check it, nothing will ever nothing is ever gonna Nobody change. Nobody wins right? when the so, family you know the feud. question I think mm -hmm. is to is to now go deeper into the root of it. How do you renew people's minds? And I go back again to education. How do you renew people's minds? How can people get reformed of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman? Because until you address that critical point, that, that root cause, 
like it's, it's always going to be running around in circles right there yeah there will always be people who maybe by virtue of their upbringing by virtue of their experiences by virtue of their faith by virtue of whatever have you know decided to stick into that but at the end of the day you don't want to be moving against the tide society is a result of multiplication of how of 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 sort of the essence behind how people are right how does the world how does ministers even like within let's say like lucky phase one like mm-hmm. how do you sort of get men and women to re-understand why god created man and woman what was that divine purpose how do you demonstrate love what does love mean like and it can even start with something small people don't know what it means to love i've asked someone this question before because i love you doesn't mean let, let me rephrase i can love someone but i love myself more than that person yep that's not love. If you really want to take the actual definition of what God said love, love is, if I love you and I love myself more than you, I don't love you. If I say I love you, but I love myself much more than I love you, it's not love. right? There's no, again, this is coming from like a divine, biblical perspective of what it means to love. That's not what love is. That's not how God taught us what love is. right? So again, society has created its own definition of love has perpetrated it into culture, and now we don't even know what love means anymore, right? So again, I go back to that re-education, that reforming, that renewal, and that's where everything has to start from because until we address that root cause, it's going to be even difficult to explain to someone or if I give someone more than I receive, how, how is that love? You know, that is, it's like just a very difficult thing to understand. But until you get to a, a culture where people freely understand what that means, I think it's going to be, it's going to be hard to sort of sit, sit down, you know, face to face, address some of these issues. Wow. So both of you have just dropped things into my head because now I'm just thinking it's nice having this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. But then we're having a conversation about a wider society, which we both live in, well, we all live in, and there are real fundamental issues that undermines the good each person is seeking. Because I think, without a doubt, generally everyone is seeking what they understand the ultimate good to be. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a situation of someone that's depressed and is seeing suicide as an option, Mm -hmm. they are seeing suicide as the good they need to engage or achieve in order to solve their problem, Mm -hmm. right? So what I'm hearing is there is a great good in being who you are created to be, but there is a great ignorance about that good. And in that great ignorance, there's a great confusion. And in that great confusion, we're having everyone pitching themselves in a tent, choosing an identity. So it's almost like a tribalism war going on where everyone is pitching themselves in some sort of tent and they're going to defend that tent till they die. And that prevents some sort of dialogue being able to happen. And with that dialogue not happening, it means people are closing up their sensors for receiving new information, for even clearing the confusion they may be in. Because I know even if you want to be a man and trying to be some sort of man, you need to be open to discovering what that truth is. And when you hear something, being able to test it, to be able to go to think, of, think it through to the nth degree so that if it's a facade, you can, you can investigate. It's like doing your due diligence pretty much yeah. on what you understand who you're meant to be is. And all of that is somewhat lacking in society. So yeah, <laughs> and just just to, I think I think another thing too about the tents. I think what's happening is over you know X centuries, what has happened is society has well now it's it's very overt, but society has covertly created this culture of the tent of self, right? Mm-hmm. And now we live in an era where it's no longer hidden. Like it's mm-hmm. you, I mean it's preached everywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, whatever makes you feel good, that's what's right. Mm-hmm. Right, which is again the same ethos of why we are where we are, right? Mm. You know, you see someone, and that's also what creates, where people create, like, different personalities. You see someone who's, like, a good father, willing to do everything for their child, but when it comes to business, when it comes to their dealings, that person's a complete asshole. Mm -hmm. And you're like, how? How How are you the same person, right? Mm -hmm. You see someone who is in church, that person, ah, you know, every day, you know, all, all groups, 
see the person outside church, the way they are behaving, is like, how, how have you been able to compartmentalize what it means to love? And it still, tra- it still trace, traces back to that tent of self. We've not been able to completely surrender every aspect of our existence to what the, to what the true greater teaching of love is meant to be. And until we do that fully, completely, I, I, like, I think it's going to be difficult to really now address some of these key specific issues. Because someone, a generation where, and this may sound like a utopia, but a generation where men understand what it means to be a man, that divine purpose, and where women understands what it means to be a woman, that divine purpose, I don't think you're going to see issues of feminism or patriarchy or any, any of these things. What has happened is that we've completely subverted the divine and allowed culture and tradition to rule us. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's where all these issues stem from. Hmm. Yeah, but then I also think that, and just, I know it seems hopeless, but I think that one of the things that we can do to kind of help the future is there's a need for more and more of us who understand the rationale behind it to speak to the younger generation, right? Because the education doesn't necessarily have to come from only... But also the older generation, in fact, everyone. To as many people as possible, to educate as many people as possible. Um, Because I think something else that also plagues our current culture is just the labels. Everyone Mm. wants to be labeled as something. So people, are you a feminist? Are you a Democrats? Are you a Republican? I am a person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am a child of God. That's the only mm-hmm. label I'm accepting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because sometimes those labels then force you to the, a, a dilemma because mm-hmm. you're like, okay, if I think about it, you know, maybe um, I'm a feminist because I understand this. But then on, on the other hand, I don't agree with this part. Mm-hmm. And then you're now saying, okay, but can I then really say that I'm a true feminist if mm-hmm. I do this or I do that? And I think that's another thing that society has created is all these labels of, oh, well, if, because I remember we, what we had before was male, female, tomboy, or girly. That was it. Now there's, I, I don't even know all of them, so I'm not even going to bother. Um, but there's a whole plethora of, of, uh, of labels that you almost have to pick. And then if you can't pick, then you say that you are, um, what's, what's fluid? No, uh, non-binary, that's that's the one. Binary or non-binary. So they should just call you they or them, for example. Um, and I may be using it in the wrong term. So again, apologies if I offend. It's never my intent to offend. Um, but it just, it just seems as though that if you can't find where you fit in, then you should create a label for it, right? I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily the answer to, to the problem. If you don't know where you fit in, then there's some soul searching that does need to go on. But I don't think that creating a new version of what exists is the solution um to to that problem so but i do think there's a need for more of these sorts of conversations i think there's a a need for more vulnerability um amongst a lot of us to share our own stories of the times that we had confusion navigating through the challenges of culture and society versus you know what we know the reality now is to be and even just the constant because i don't think it's not clear cuts right it's not like i sit here and i and i know that okay yes this is my responsibility as a woman and this is what i'm supposed to do and i'm happy that that's that that's what i'm supposed to do right there's still a lot of mental battles that you fight to say okay this is what i want to do this is what i desire to do but is this what i should be doing right mm-hmm. and that's a daily you know kind of battle that you will continue to have with yourself forever but i think that you know the fact that we don't really have a lot of conversations like this people may not know that okay how they're feeling is actually normal um and kind of unrelated but not you know my nephew is obsessed with the vacuum in his house like he says good morning and good night to the vacuum <laughs> literally every day and so his dad was like i i think there's something wrong with my child we probably need to get this checked out and then we came across a post on instagram um where another mother was saying you know her child is randomly obsessed with a spoon, like a wooden spoon, and sleeps with the spoon, and does all these things with the spoon. And then a flood of mothers have been sending her like random inanimate objects that their kids are obsessed with. Mm-hmm. So apparently it's a toddler phase, but if you don't talk about it, you will literally think that there's something wrong with And so there's a need for us to always have conversations about these things, because for almost everything that you're dealing with, someone else is dealing with it, but it takes the 
the boldness and the strength and the vulnerability to start the conversation and then others will follow. Yeah, interesting. What a conversation. So now, just to wrap up, right, because we've spoken about quite a good number of things. Um, i just like from each of you, just from the conversation we've had today, just like your, your takeaway, like after this conversation now, what is it that you're looking to take with you moving forward? so yeah. yeah i i think for me you know it's still um I'm a, I'm a purist in the sense of how i think with regards to what i believe in my faith um how the divine law guides me and how i sort of manifest that in, re- in in reality and in society when it comes to the topic of man and woman i firmly believe that god created man and woman to be man and woman um he didn't make a mistake right because i don't believe in a god that makes mistakes right and therefore and on top of that he created man and woman in his own image right so which therefore means we are divine beings who both share in his image and for me that's that's just fact and that there's no i there's any anything different from that is again in my understanding is us as human beings trying to extend our freedom beyond the will and intellect that God intended it, for be, intended it to be within his divine sort of creation, right? And again, that sort of roots back to you know, what Ishama said earlier. When you think about it, that roots directly back to the sin of Adam and Eve, right? Where God gave them everything except the knowledge of good and evil. But then he wanted to extend their freedom beyond that. And voila, here we are, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, and again, now look, looking at that in terms of... Um, you know, family and society, I think what is most important in the society we live in today is that people are getting fed the wrong kind of knowledge, right? The, the, the book references it, you know, not even just in terms of what it means to be a man or woman, but the, the essence of a family, the essence of, of your sexuality, there's just such wrong information being spread, right? Uh, and I think for me, living here now is sort of to understand or think about what are the right channels or the right ways that the right information can get to people at the same speed mm. that the wrong information is getting to them. Because that's the main issue. The speed at which wrong information is being fed to people is so high that, you know, now as we are talking about this, it's not, it's not a call to action. How do I now, either it's through an app, through whatever, but how do I take what we have today to feed that same right information at the same speed as the wrong information? Because otherwise, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle, right? There's a plethora of rubbish mm-hmm. out there that is fed daily, nonstop, right? That, I mean, for a child who is two, three, growing up, they don't even have the will or the intellect to even know that this is wrong information. You feed that child with that information for 5, 10, 15 years, you now want to come and meet them when they're 25? <laughs> that's, Joking. That's going to be such a hard mental battle because now that renewal, it needs to be supernatural, right? When, <laughs> when you can have addressed it while it was natural. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, so, that, so for me, that, that's, that's the call to action. What, what are some of the ways that we can all, as a society, as a, as a group of people who understand and really believe in these things, to get the right information to people? Because at the end of the day, you know, even in the Bible, it says it's what's inside of a man that drives everything. It's what's inside of, of that person's heart that drives every single thing. But if what is being fed into you is corrupting your heart, then obviously the outcome will be corrupt, mm-hmm. right? So that's 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 what um, that's what I'm, that's my takeaway from this: to think about that and to figure out ways to get that information as fast as possible and as urgent as possible to, to people, to everyone. Wow! Thank you, yes, Yama. <laughs> Google has dragged me <laughs> because I have a lot of pending action. <laughs> Google has dragged me, oh, so based on a Google's drag, uh, there are some things that will be coming in the future. Uh, don't worry. There's no, but but he's right. Um, when um, part of the reason why. I am where I am today um, as a person with my faith um, is because of Young and Catholic, right? Um, it was a beautiful accident. It was not planned. 
Um, but it basically was what, you know, helped me to understand the difference between um, society versus, you know, what it is, what my faith preaches, who, I, who I'm called to be, understanding my purpose, and basically opening my mind to a lot of new things. Um, and the reason why I said Ogogo is dragging me is because we've, we've recognized this issue. Um, we've talked about it quite a bit. Um, and we've said that there's quite a bit of work that we want to do with teenagers specifically, um, with kids, um, with, you know, just media <laughs> in general and content um, to try and address some of these issues. But they keep remaining conversations <laughs> <laughs> that we haven't really acted on. Um, and so, I, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm glad that, that we've had this conversation. I think it, it kind of reignites the fire um of why we need to move with a sense of urgency because i think what that plan is maybe five years old (laughs) um and we haven't really made significant progress um whereas you know the speed at which information is coming out is 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 alarming um with what's being taught um, but I also think that in addition to that, I, and I continue to advocate um, for my friends who have children to, uh, and I mean, I'm, I'm not a biological mother yet, but I am very much a mother uh, for my many children. But I continue to share resources with my friends, um, how they can actually also help them guide and guard their minds of, of their kids um, with the types of things that they expose them to, with the types of things that they allow them watch. Um, I am still very much an old school parent. I do not believe that your children have the liberty to choose what they want to watch. I don't believe your children have the liberty to choose where they want to go. I don't believe they have the liberty to choose all their friends. They will choose different initially. I will decide whether the friendship will continue. Um, it's very necessary. Um, because it, I think about, and all this is because I, again, I think about, how I grew up and I think about what I grew up and I think that part of the reason why I'm fortunate to have had the relatively sheltered life that I did was because of that level of attention and dedication from my parents right um because I had I also had friends that I knew did whatever and their parents didn't know and they still don't know till today some of the things that they got up to right um so I think just to continue to be an advocate um for the the value in that um it's a lot of work it's a lot of sacrifice to ask for parents especially in this day and age but i think that um something that i always say and i always remind parents about is your primary purpose is a parent's first and your career is always second um so if you need a leave of absence if you need whatever it is but if god has given you children to um to raise your primary purpose is really to be a steward of that child's life. Because as my mother likes to tell me, when I get to heaven, God will ask me where my children are. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think that's it. Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Fine. Thank you. Thanks. Right. That was a heavily packed conversation. We barely covered much of what the other mentioned, but we still got an hour of conversation. My first reaction, if I'm being honest, to giving final thoughts was one of fear. I was like, is it safe for us to have a conversation like this in today's cancel culture and just go on scot-free? That is it, is it safe for us to challenge popular ideology through dialogue? Anyway, you're still here and you're still listening, so I'm grateful. What I'd now like to ask you to do is to just think about all the sex education you've ever received in your life. Do you think it made you better understand your gender identity and role? Or did it possibly give you scars that you're still trying to heal? Well, each one of us has been beautifully and wonderfully made. Yes, you and I are fantastic, just as we were made in our gender, whether we were made as a man or as a woman. However, I like to quote something I learned from the late Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He says, we exist in a moral universe. And what that means 
is that you and I all have a goal of becoming a supreme being of ultimate good. And that journey lasts a lifetime. So my challenge to each one of us today is for us to understand how our gender will help us reach that goal. Thank you for your time once again on That Defiance Podcast. And I hope I've left you with another reason to hope. Let's hope for the good. Let's hope in tomorrow. And let's hope to become our best selves. See you next time.